You are listening to the Forfeit Fatherhood Podcast. And we're having conversations with dope dads covering the four pillars of fatherhood. We call it the Fit Fatherhood Formula. Faith, family, finance, and fitness. That's right. These dads are setting the pace in business and fatherhood. This show isn't only about the outside success. We're getting down to who you are. Gentlemen, it's time to get fit. And and, 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 and now, let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. Let's get into the show. All right, welcome back to the Forfeit Fatherhood podcast, a podcast for fathers by fathers, where we talk about the four pillars of fatherhood, which are faith, family, finance, and fitness. And uh, I'm excited to have this brother on. I've been I've been following him for a while, been trying to get him on the podcast, and he's a busy guy. So I finally finally got a hold of him, and uh, I'm excited for you guys to hear him, um, to to hear about his story, about his journey. Um, Chris Johnson is joining us today. Chris Johnson, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well. How are you, man? Everything's going well with me. I'm good. I'm good. So, man, I I kind of got. I don't even know how the algorithm put you in front of me, honestly. Uh, I think at the time you might have still been in California. Um, and I think I remember like the first post I saw of yours, I was driving up Archibald and Rancho and I saw <laughs> saw the mountains, right? It was like snow covered, but it was palm trees or something. And I look at the the my my Instagram when I got out the car and it was literally like you had posted the same picture. And I was Ooh. like, yo, I don't even know who this dude is, but but he yeah. must be close by. Um and then I, uh right that day say it again i think i was probably on a bike ride that day yeah probably something like that yeah 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 so yeah. uh so i was like man okay he, somebody close but i didn't really think about it and then uh i had started following uh charles oglesby and he yep. had mentioned you and i was like okay that's the dude that i saw and then it was like another post you were watering plants and i'm like this dude <laughs> dude is all <laughs> over the place but then, then I, uh, you know, the pandemic came around and, and you know, everything kind of shut down a little bit. So I got into, you know, doing some things on the internet, affiliate marketing and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I, I saw your course. I think the first course I got of yours was Profit Kings. Okay. Um, and then, and then I just kind of, you know, snowballed with that, right. And start running with, uh, was it the Hustlers Reloaded Field Manual and Stock Market Gems and, trying to build out my whole virtual portfolio of, of, of information. Cause I had more time all of a sudden. Um, and so, you know, I did some of those things, affiliate marketing, I got it, got into the stock market, uh, started kind of building up my social profile and, and started running with those things. And so I have to say, thank you because, uh, that was some, some extra income that I wasn't expecting that was coming in all of a sudden, thanks to the pandemic. <laughs> I, I'm grateful that, that, uh, that you found value in what I was putting out, you know, cause uh, prior to the pandemic, I was kind of screaming from the top of the mountain, trying to get people to pay attention to what's going on, you know, and what, what we're living through, which is uh, another revolution, you know, the social media revolution. And um, I found some some early success in my journey. And I was kind of trying to tell people, like, look, what I've done or what I'm doing is replicatable, you know, like, here are the steps. And I'm just grateful that people are willing to listen. And then when the pandemic happened, it kind of set the stage because now the people who were kind of like, yeah, maybe I'll look into it one day. People find themselves with a lot of time or maybe they lost their job or whatever the case is. They find themselves at home like a lot more. And uh, a lot of people tapped in and man, so many people found success. So I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to, you know, provide some value for you. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, for those that may not know you, and I don't, you know, there's a lot of people who know who you are. Uh, why don't you tell us a, a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Chris Johnson. I'm from California. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, grew up in a, in a big family, uh, raised out in California. I'm one of seven children. Uh, so family is kind of, you know, my thing. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm a serial entrepreneur, army vet. I spent six years in the military. Uh, I did human resources in the army, and then I did some work overseas uh, in Europe as a, a courier for the Department of Defense. And then uh, once I left Germany, I just, well, I started my watch company in Germany. So I have a watch company that I launched in 2015. And now that's become a family-owned business where me and my brother run that for our family. And um, yeah, just endeavor, like, you know, different endeavors. I just 
dabble into different things and kind of build it all around the idea of wanting to build wealth, wanting to keep my free time. Uh, and then with my free time, spend my time with my family. Yeah, that's one of the things that I noticed about you early on was like the, the family thing, right? It seemed like it was a big deal with you, you know, having your brother, your sister, having your family as a part of your business and not just uh, just building the success on your own, but but bringing people along with you um, and not like, you know, bring them along with you like they work for you, but bring them along with you and allowing them to be bosses themselves and, and kind of teaching them, uh, you know, how to to, I guess, go out and fish on their own. Um, and I think that's really cool. I think a lot of times we see people get success and then it's like, okay, you're going to be my assistant or you're going to, you know what I mean? Like you got to work for me. Uh, cause yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gatekeep the money or, or the, or the wealth or whatever it is. And then you all work for me. But, uh, what I liked about what I saw from you was you were building other people up as you were going. It wasn't like, you know, you, you wait till you get to the top and then start reaching back. You was pulling people along right away. Yeah. And see what I what I think is people kind of have this fear that like other people kind of outshine them or kind of like operate from this scarcity mentality that there's only so many resources in the world. So I need to get mine before you get yours. And you kind of like if you pull back, you start to see like the resources that you're trying to get are unlimited. There's so much money in the world. There's so much opportunity in the world. So if I can, you know throw this person a lob or help them out or help them out or, you know, use my platform to spread the message on what you're building or what this person's building, then I'm willing to help anyone willing to listen. And um, it's kind of funny that early on, my siblings were kind of like, ah, yeah, this, you know, my brother's just talking. He just likes to talk. He just likes to talk. And then, so they kind of weren't like on board at first, you know, um, I think they were too kind of like busy just living their own life. And then, um, as I became more, more successful, I'm like, Hey, like you guys sure you're going to ignore me? Like, are you sure? Like I've got opportunities for you. I have all these things for you. And then slowly, but surely they just start coming around. And I think like another factor was, um, like hearing their friends, their friends talk about like, yo, what is your brother over there doing? You know? So then they start coming around and I'm like, man, I'm, I'll tell you everything I know, as long as you're willing to work. And, it just worked out that way. But I, yeah, I never want to be a gatekeeper. I think that there's enough money in this world for everyone to get a slice. And another thing too, is even just how I view money. Cause I think people kind of worship money in a way. So they want to be the one with it instead of thinking like, this is a tool, right? So if I have a tool, if I have a hammer and you have a hammer, then we both have hammers. Cool. We can go build things. But uh, if you worship the hammer, then you, want to go hey i'm the only one with the hammer call me for any need that you need involving this hammer you know so i just look at it like a tool and we can spread this tool as far out as possible and it's a positive sum game so if you have hammer and nails you can build if i have hammer and nails i can build everyone can build it everyone kind of rises together yeah i think too when you when you're doing that uh the opposite of how you're doing it and you're the only one with the hammer there's a lot of pressure that comes with that right because now everybody that needs needs something to be nailed they got to come to you and it seems like you know oh you got the power but with that power comes a lot of responsibility that maybe you're not ready to take on you know yeah yeah how did you how did you a... get to that go ahead I was just going to say, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, sometimes you you may get good at something that produces you more money, but it doesn't mean that you became better at dealing with stress or dealing with this or that. So it does eat at you. If you're the only person that people can come to, then uh, it kind of puts a lot on your on your back when you could have been growing everybody, you know, together. Yeah. How did you come to that to that mindset, though? Because that seems you know, counter counter to what everybody else is thinking as opposed to like most people are trying to uh, uh, chase success so that they can have success themselves and not necessarily trying to chase success. So we all have success. What, what was, was there a, a switch there? Or have you always been that way? I uh, kind of always been that way. I've always been, I think, you know, grown up one in a big family, two playing team sports, right? So if me and you play on the same basketball team, it, you're, it's your day and you're the one scoring all the points and we win. Hey, we won, you know, like, my 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 friend, my bro, my brother, whoever is on fire. I'm going to get you the ball. When you shoot it, I'm going to go get you the rebound as long as we win, you know? So 
I, I think I learned that through playing sports and growing up with a big family. I just see it as my brother's win is my win. My sister's win is my win. My friend's win is my win. You know, so I, I think I've always been that way through sports. Uh, yeah, just through sports and having a big family. Like, hey, as long as we win, cool. Let me know what role I need to play and I'll play it. Yeah, that's cool. What is that like growing up with, with that many brothers and sisters? Because I, I have four sisters, but we never lived together. You know, we spent weekends and some summers together, but we was never together like every day. What is what is that like? It's it's cool. It's like I, I like to explain it like it's different versions of yourself. Right. So if I think, OK, if I were a woman in a different universe and I had this personality, I'd probably be this one of my sisters. Or if I was, you know. Uh, uh, in a different universe. And I thought this way, I'd be this one of my brothers. So I have four sisters and then there's three boys. So I just look at them like different versions of yourself. And also it kind of lets you know that like people can go through the same things and have different outcomes and have different outlooks and have different perspectives. The things that may have bothered me from my childhood may not have bothered my brother or my sister, but the things that bothered them may not bother me. So you kind of just get to see um, like how the environment itself kind of affects people and their upbringing and you get to watch it play out in so many different personalities, uh, but it was fun man. it was so fun. Like having a big family was everything to me. Yeah. Cause you could, I mean, if y'all go went outside to play, y'all could play like real games. Like y'all could get it. Y'all could really get it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we always, I, I, I just growing up, I was always surrounded by my family. So if we're at the park 20 deep playing football or basketball or something, the chances are everybody there is related to me. So I just always found like friendship and found comfort with my cousins or my siblings or, and everybody like, you know, has one or two close friends and you kind of just build your own family in a way, you know, as you grow up and become adults, but it was amazing growing up like that. Yeah. 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 That's really cool, man. Because I, like I, like I said, I was by myself a lot of times. So when I went outside to play, if, if, People wasn't around, like the neighborhood was quiet. I was like, oh, I'm going back inside. <laughs> nobody, I knock on a few doors, you know what I mean? Nobody answered because we didn't have phones back then. It wasn't like I could text you and be like, let's go outside. So I got to walk around the neighborhood knocking on doors. Now nah, he can't come out and play. Well, I guess I'm going back inside then. <laughs> Did you grow up in the IE? No, no, I'm from the Bay Area. So I grew up in Richmond. Okay. Okay. And then yeah. when you make your way back down to Southern California? I got out here in 2007, the end of 2007. Okay. Yeah, so I've been here ever since. Say it again. Was it was it for school or something? No, no, actually uh so my wife um we both ended up going to school in Michigan, but when we left, my mom moved to Tennessee and then her parents moved down here to Moreno Valley. Okay. Um so when we we finished school, we're talking about okay, let's go back to California. Didn't want to go back to the Bay Area, so we had a chance to come down to Southern California. Weather's better, right? It's still California. Um, so we came down here, and uh, we lived in Pasadena the first couple of years. That's um, where I was born. And, oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, we, we loved it out there, but it got it got a little too expensive for us. So we, uh, we you know, we moved moved to the Inland as most people do, right? You move to the Inland Empire, you can <laughs> make your dollar stretch a little bit more. Oh man, but yeah, you you can imagine growing up in Southern California, all the outdoor things to do, and what I do like about California is like there's a lot of free things to do. You can go to the lake, you can go to the beach, you can do things for very little. And we were always poor, so just having your siblings and then being able to go, all right, we're going to the lake today, you know, at very low cost. So it, it was cool, man. It was a cool upbringing. Yeah, I tell people that all the time. Like we're in a, in a very unique space because I'm in San Bernardino. So like two weeks ago, it snowed like like snow, snow, right? Like like we couldn't leave the house snow. Uh, but that same day, if you would have went to L.A., you could have went to the beach. Right. Yeah. You see, right. Yeah. You, could, you could be in the mountains or you can be or you could be in a desert or you can be in the ocean just driving two hours in any direction. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really unique spot. And so I, I love the fact that we get to to kind of take advantage of all that. And it's really good for my kids, too, because we don't live in a situation where like like when I was in the Bay Area, you got to go like six hours to get to Tahoe to try to get some snow. You know what I mean? Or or the, the beach there is just garbage compared to the beach here. Uh, yeah. So I never got to really do those things unless we were out of town. And for them, 
we can go to the beach this weekend, right? And then yeah. Sunday morning, wake up and go snowboarding. Like, it's no big deal. That beautiful. The thing about growing up in California, that's what makes it all so beautiful. There's so much. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's why we moved to Southern California, too, is because of that. Like, we had that option to kind of get all that California has to offer. And then if we want to go up to the Bay, we can. We go visit family and friends or whatnot. But the majority of what we do, we stay down here. If we want to skip out, we'll, you know, go to San Diego or go to Vegas. Because Vegas ain't even far. It's three hours. Like, it's it's nothing. Everything so. is, you're in the right location for everything. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, you, you got seven brothers and sisters. Uh, you ended up going to the military. How did you decide to go to the military? Um, so, what it was, was I played. So, I grew up in Southern California playing sports. I thought I was a really good football player. So, I thought that my path would be me go play college football and then you know hopefully i was good enough to go play in the nfl the recruiting process when i was growing up kind of didn't go my way right it wasn't going the way that i wanted it to go and then i had pressure from my mom to work and provide money you know so even the idea of going to college my mom was kind of like uh, how about you just go get a job you know and to me, I'm like, well, if I'm not going to be able to play ball anymore or if I'm not going to play ball anymore, you just want me to work, then I want to leave. Like, I want to go see the world. So I used to, um, me and my brother, we used to just work out every day in our room and then and watch UFC reruns. And during the UFC reruns, they would always have military commercials, you know? Of course. So every, every like we're doing our push-ups during the commercial, I would look at my brother and this looks kind of interesting, you know? So uh, I told my dad, uh, I had moved in with my dad. That was, you know, the first time I ever lived with my dad. And I told my dad, I'm like, hey, I think I want to join. First, I told him I wanted to join the Navy. He was like, oh, well, let's go talk to a recruiter. And uh, I was living in San Bernardino at the time. But, you know, the part of San Bernardino that you don't want to live in, I was living <laughs> over there. Right. Um, it was just like, it was too chaotic. And, you know, I wanted to get out. I wanted to get out of the environment. So uh, my dad took me to a, a Navy recruiter. They were like, you can leave next summer. It was like February. And they're like, you can leave next summer, not the summer coming up. And I'm like, nah. So then I went to an Army recruiter and she was like, how soon do you want to leave? And I'm like, right away. And um, she was like, okay, well, let me, you know, work on some things. So me and my brother had uh, a set of friends, a, a brother and a sister, and our back window and their back window were like this and there was an alley between us so we'd just be talking to each other through the window then we'd go outside and meet up <laughs> so um one weekend we went to our aunt's house uh in fontana to go hang out and when we came back both of them were killed at house party oh, so wow. that was kind of my like all right man this is kind of getting too wild you know so uh, i went back to the army recruiter and i'm like yo i want to leave now you know I don't want to look back. So I just wanted to escape, bro. I, if, if football wasn't going to work out, I just need to get away. Yeah, I hear that, man. What uh, what position did you play? Uh, I was a safety, safety corner wide receiver. And uh, okay. you let me tell it, I was the man. <laughs> <laughs> I was the man. So I'm like, man, where are all these schools at? And all, I was only being recruited by smaller schools. And I felt like everybody that I played against, I was – you know, way better than them, but I was undersized. There's just a lot of things in a 16, 17 year old kid's mind that you don't understand, you know? Right. So I'm like very egotistical and not seeing the bigger picture and things. And I'm glad it worked out that way because without going to the army, I don't get the discipline to succeed in business. And I don't, if I don't have the discipline to succeed in business, I don't find the financial freedom. I'm not able to help all these people. I don't find, you know, like, the things that I deemed to be valuable, I probably would have ended up in the same place, but on a way slower time scale. So I'm very glad that everything, you know, worked out the way that it did. And I made the decision to go to the army because that played a big part in my, in my success. Yeah. When you, when you talk about discipline, um, you know, I think that's an important attribute for, for a father or for a man to have, um, what, what, what type of discipline uh, or what did the army give you in terms of discipline? Like what, what do you mean by that? All right. So there's, yeah, I, I think that discipline is kind of displayed in different forms and fashion, but just being like a raw, very energetic young man, 
18 years old when I go to the army. And then now you're surrounded, you're in a pool full of other men. Some are older, some are your age, some are more accomplished or whatever. And there's things that you have to do to stand out or to, you know, earn your promotions or earn your respect in your unit. And um, things like being on time, being where you need to be, when you need to be there in the right uniform you need to be, right? And you see that men will will uh, stumble or, or fumble this simple concept. Like we have a meeting at, we have a meeting at 6.30 in the morning, be there 10, 15 minutes early. This is the uniform we're wearing. And then you'll see people, oh, well, I, I woke up late and blah, blah, blah. And then you just see kind of, uh, it's like a domino effect. You see their whole career play out because simple things like you can't wake up on time, which means you need to go to sleep on time the previous night. There was just like a, a lot of things that I, I was kind of able to sit back and say, man, like if you get these few things right, you could probably go far in the military. Or if you get these few things right, you can go far in life, right? You need to be well shaven. You need to understand whatever your job is and you need to research on all the new information, all the new changes that are coming out in the, in the, uh, army regulations. There's just things like where you don't want to find yourself becoming complacent. So you become a machine. I'm a, I'm a well-oiled machine. I'm always looking to learn. Uh, during lunchtime, I want to learn more. I need to read these messages. What changes do the army uh, have coming? How is this going to affect my unit? What can I brief my commander on? It was just things like that, but I knew they were the boring things to do. It's kind of boring to read on uh, what new regulations are coming or they're called milper messages in the, uh, in the army, things like that, or being fit, right? Like that's a part of your, it's a part of your, your job, your duty, your responsibility in the military to be fit. You're, you're a soldier for war, you know, to be fit to fight and, um, things like taking care of your body and not eating, not eating bull crap all day because you need to be able to pass your physical fitness test, or you need to be able, you need to be in shape to go, to the Middle East to fight a war. It was just a lot of different things. And the, the, the kind of unique part is I'm a young 18 year old male when I join and I see all the people who have been in for 10 years, 12 years, and I see the different types of men the army could produce. And I thought that it was really cool like to see someone who's, you know, they've been in for 10 years, they have a family, they're, they're fit, they're taking care of their finances, they're good at their job. And I'm just like, man, you get to kind of pick uh, uh, what type of man you want to be. And you have all these different examples of people that are in the military that are good at, you know, being a man or being good men. And back home, I didn't really have those examples. You know, the people that I was surrounded with chose to run the streets and stuff like that. So uh, it, it was, you know, the discipline of, of taking care of yourself, uh, being good at your job. So you're not letting your team down. So always studying, always being prepared. It was just, you know, a lot of small decisions that you had to make that would affect the outcome. And I realized how important that was or how important habits are, you know, in order to uh, achieve this desired outcome. So it was that the army kind of taught me all that. And I was able to like observe a lot of those things from the men that I was serving with. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like, uh, like personal accountability, right? Like you, you yeah. took accountability for, who you were based on seeing a reflection or not seeing a reflection of yourself and these other men that are around you, right? Like, like you say, you have these different examples that you can kind of strive to be or, or not be like, yo, I don't want to be like that dude or, or man, he's killing it. What is he doing? How is he, how is he leveling up? Um, did you, did you find yourself kind of asking those guys for advice or were you just kind of on the outside looking in? No, I was, uh, I've always, always, always went to go ask for advice, always. So it could be anything. It could be like we're going to the range to shoot, and I'm not too familiar with this weapon. I'm going to find somebody who is, and I'm like, hey, you know, can you help me out? And a lot of times uh, people, you know, it, it's kind of like uh, older men want to help out the young guy. So I'd be like, hey, man, I'm, any advice for me for this? Any advice for me on this? So. I was always seeking people to kind of uh, teach me or to lead me or to give me some some pointers. And I was just always been a student to life. And I think that it just it, it was they, they people would just take me in and like, all right, look, I'm going to put my arm around this young guy and help him out. So, um, yeah, I've always been a student to the game, always been a student to life. Yeah. 
There's a lot of fear around that, though. Like a lot of guys are afraid to. And it's almost because it's like a vulnerability, right? Like showing that I don't know or I'm not sure. Um, like afraid to ask questions, afraid to to seek advice when, you know, if you don't ask, like I say, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. Um, I think it's important that even as as men, as fathers, as businessmen, whatever it is that you're doing, if you have somebody that you can reach out to that can provide an olive branch or even an idea, even if you don't follow it, right? But an idea of what this is going to be like, then you can make a better decision. You can make better choices. And um, I think I just I don't know. I mean, I think it's a masculinity thing or maybe it's like a a pride thing. But dudes just be, you know, we we uh, <laughs> we'd rather not go uh, to the gas station to ask for directions. We just keep driving in circles. <laughs> yeah. But I've always I, I feel like like, you know, you men, we need our egos. Right. But we need our egos to serve us in the right way. You know, so sometimes your ego could lead you to being stubborn and you being stubborn might get you left behind. Right. And yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, like and especially to like as a father, like the better I come, the better I become, the better my family becomes, you know, the, the better I could lead my children. So I don't if I have to look stupid for 10 minutes because I don't understand something so be it. I'm looking dumb for 10 minutes versus looking dumb for life, you know, or being lost for life. So. I always thought like that, you know, like I, I will volunteer to be the fool for five minutes, 10 minutes, but it will never happen again. Cause I'm going to learn, you know? Right. And uh, a lot of times, yeah, we, we have uh, this ego thing that we can't tame, you know, and we can't tame our ego. So it, it, it gets us creating drama with people because we, we really want to be their friend, but we just need their attention somehow. So we want to, have problems with them or we don't want to ask or this guy's doing this thing. And instead of approaching him saying, Hey man, like, I appreciate you doing what you do. Like, is there any pointers you have for me? You just dismiss him. There's a lot of things that ultimately hold you back if you don't keep your ego in check. And I, I learned that very, very, very early on, you know, I'm here to get better, not to look right, not to look better than everyone else, but to be a better version of myself. So going back to playing sports, if there was something that somebody did that I couldn't do, and I say, hey, can you teach me? And I look foolish for a few minutes, but now I'm a better ball player, right? And it right. played out in the military, and it plays out in business. It plays out like, hey, like, can I have a few seconds of your time so you can teach me? And now I just become a better person overall. And then all these small improvements compound over time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You, you mentioned you mentioned being a father. Uh, how many how many kids you got? Three kids. Three kids. Okay. Uh, what are the ages? Uh, five, four, and one. Okay, so we we got we got some some movement now. At five years old, yeah, we got yeah. we got some real. <laughs> yeah. Before that, they're just kind of stumbling around. They get to five, like they now they're asking why and asking all these questions, and and you get to find. <laughs> <laughs> now they have more energy than me, and I'm like. Let's yeah, just, yeah. You now you now you get to to really flex your fatherhood muscles, or at least start to right. Because yeah. before then, they're kind of like you know we pick them up, put them down, feed them. You know, yeah. they, you know, you know what's going on. But at five, they start getting curious, and now you got to start thinking too. <laughs> yep. yep, that's yeah. You're right, and it happens so fast. You go from a baby baby to a toddler to a child very quickly. Like you like you know you're watching you're you're watching your kids stumble. First, you're watching them learn how to crawl, and then they're stumbling around, and then they're running around the neighborhood, and you're like, whoa, like, this happened very, very, very quickly, you know? Yeah, so, um, yeah. Yeah, good ages. How was, uh, how's that experience been for you? Uh, it's been... It's, it's, it's been... Uh, it's, it's kind of been like a spiritual journey. It's been okay. like a spiritual journey, because you start to realize your kids need something from you that maybe you didn't have, right? Like there's a lot of things that my kids need something from me that I didn't have. So I didn't know how to give it to them. Right. I have to figure mm -hmm. it out. Like, okay, how can I do this? Cause I don't really have those examples of what did my dad do for me? Cause backstory, my father was locked up for the majority of my life. So uh, it's been like a, digging deep within and, you know, saying, okay, 
how can I find whatever it is that I need to find inside of me to be a better father, to be, you know, to be a friend one moment, but then to teach you and discipline you the next. And um, it's just been a journey of me going back to a drawing board, saying what's what's working, what's good for them, what's not good for them, what's good for me, what's not good for me. And um, I, I would describe it like that, like a spiritual journey. Yeah, I think I think we don't realize how much we learn about ourselves from our children. Like they they have a u- very unique way to teach us who we are, who we aren't. And if we're receptive to it, we can become better, right? Yep. And we just have to be receptive to it, right? I think that, that, that at least the generation past, like my parents were like, you know, a child stays in a child's place, speak when spoken to, you know, adults is in a room, you go in the other room kind of thing. And I'm I'm kind of different in the sense that I want I feel like I'm raising adults. And while there are adult topics that they don't need to be involved in, I'm raising them to be adults at some point. So I need to kind of give them examples. And it and it forces me to be better in situations because I know they're watching. Yep. Right. Like my interactions with my wife are different because I know with my daughters, they're looking at that relationship like, OK, this is how a man treats a woman. Yep. And oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if I'm yeah. in there tripping, they were like, oh, okay, that's what he's supposed to do. So when some little little thundercat run up on her and start talking crazy, she gonna think it's okay. And I'm like, nah, it's not. You're creating what's going to be normal in their life. So if yeah. what's normal is peace and conflict resolution, then that's what they'll see and they'll go seek. If what's normal is chaos and confusion and, you know, anger and the yelling and the bickering, that's what they'll go seek. So that's a good point. Very good point. Yeah. I think inter interpersonal relationships are, are, are a skill, right? And just like any other skill, it's something that can be learned, can be built, can be improved on. And it's not a, you know, that kind of uh fixed mindset where you just you're just born this way and this is just what we're gonna do. They learn through seeing it and then when they interact with you, they're learning again and then they go do it somewhere else and it reinforces it. And so I think we have a huge responsibility, number one, in taking care of them and providing for them, but even more so in setting them up for the world that they're about to meet outside our doors, right? Because we can keep it really safe and really clean and and like we can do all the stuff that we want to do inside our doors. But once they leave and they're not right under our wing and they have to experience the world, did we prepare them for that? Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of like how I see my mission is like my job as your father is to prepare you for life without me. Right. You're going to go outside and I'm not going to be there. Right. Or you're going to go through life and I'm going to pass, you know, and uh, you need to be able to uh, live and thrive and, you know, contribute to society without me being there. So, like you said, you can keep the environment safe. As soon as you go outside, it's a different beast. So I'm going to prepare you for going outside. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, what 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 are your kids, boys, girls? Uh, two girls and one boy. Two girls and one boy. Is the boy the youngest? Uh, he's in the middle. In the middle. Okay. All right. Cool. So, uh, are you are you guys done with three? Or are we we you trying to you trying to build a little village? You trying to go for seven? <laughs> oh, no. Interesting. Ah, that breath right there. <laughs> I probably want about ten kids. Okay. All right. So you I, are building the village. Yeah, I, I probably want about between seven and. Tim, my my father and my mom together, they had five. Um, so I, I think five minimum. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I want to keep going. I know what it's like to have a lot of siblings. I know what it's like to, you know, kind of just be surrounded by love. And I would almost feel like I'm cheating my children to not give them. Okay. Okay. All right, man. Look, you, 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 you're building an NBA team with 10, bro. You got, you got kids coming off the bench. I like to think about it. Like I'm, I'm building a corporation, you know, I like that. Like, I like that. I, I'm building a corporation. Like, all right, that's the lawyer. Those are the engineers over there. You know, that's going to yeah. be the tax attorney. Like, I, I like to think of it like that. Like I'm building a corporation. Cause when I go back and study like the, the wealthy men of, uh, of the past and how they like integrated their their family into business and i'm like yeah i need to get on that you know so uh that's like a a, a big thing um is kind of preparing them to to 
be a part of this, you know? So I speak yeah. to my children about money, about decisions, about, you know, judging people's character, doing the right thing when no one's looking, because I'm building them to be a part of this. And that's how the finance thing turn, like ties into fatherhood, you know? Yeah, yeah. I always say that as a father, you're like the CEO of your family, right? Like, you, because a lot of guys, you know, we go out into the world and we go to provide and we understand how, to some degree, how businesses work, how companies work, how the hierarchy works in our job. And then we come home and we don't have any structure. It's just like we live here. I'm dad. And, you know, everybody else just does whatever. But but I think when you when you kind of put it into into that like kind of framework, you have an understanding of like, OK, these are the roles and responsibilities. And as a company or as a business, everybody's working towards the same goal. Right. No matter what level they're at. Right. We're all working towards the same goal. And that's to have a happy, healthy family. Yep. And, and to have a happy, healthy home, too. Right. So yeah. something that I've been like dealing with recently, my oldest has been throwing like little fits when it's time to clean up. Right. Like when it's time to clean your mess, you have to go clean your mess, you know. So what I've been kind of like explaining to her is that we all contribute to the household. Right. And because you're so young, your contribution is just. You got to go to school and you got to keep your room clean, you know, and getting her to understand, like, look, this is a big moving thing, right? Our family's a big moving thing. The house is uh, uh, something that everybody contributes to. And your contribution is what? Keep the room clean. We're not asking for much. And just being able to, like, explain that, because I want her to to realize, like, we're all on the same team. So this is what I do for the team. This is what your mom does for the team. And this is what you do for the team, you know? So I like to um, um, break it down to her like that. And it's been working. It's been working, you know? So I always go back to the the sports concepts. Yeah, yeah. I think that too, it it it, it gives them a sense of value and a, and a sense of belonging, right? Like yeah. you may not yeah. want to do it, but but right now you're not not just, that's not the only thing you're valuable for, right? You're valuable just because of who you are as a human. Yeah. But in terms of the roles of this house, this is your value. And when you when you clean that room, like you clean that room, oh man, look, everybody in the house is happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so. so yeah, that's that's really cool. And I think that's an important lesson to learn, especially at that age, because I, as you get older, you're going to give them more responsibility and more responsibility and, and understanding now that, okay, this is just what I got to do. These are, this is, this is what I do in the house. Dad is going to go take care of that. I'm going to take care of this. Right? Yep. Yep. And it, we're just a team. We're just a team. So uh, that that's, but she's been coming along with that, like the, the, the team, okay, here's my contribution, you know, and I go let her know like, wow, your room is really clean. Like, I don't know that people can clean as good as you. Good job, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So now she's like, oh, man, look, one, I can clean the room better than anybody else. So I know that yeah. I got it. But then dad is really proud of me when I clean my room. It, and it, you kids, know what? Go for it. Oh, oh I was going to say, it almost seems like now she'll clean her room to, like, impress me. You know, like, <laughs> like look how clean it is. Dad. You know, like, it's yeah. It's Cool. Like she's like looking for the approval. Like it's really clean, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's that's something that's really important to point out too is that kids are at all times looking for your approval, whether you know it or not. Um, yeah. I was at um at my daughter's softball practice uh last week. And usually you go to softball practice. I'm paying attention because, you know, I want to make sure that I'm making adjustments at home when we work on stuff and, and different things. Right. But then you look around and the majority of the parents are like this the whole time. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm watching and I see these kids looking up into this like kids are like taking their eye off the ball to see what's happening. And I, I and it, I'm watching other kids and then I, I turn and she's staring right at me. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 First of all, you shouldn't be watching me. You should be playing. But but I see what's going on here. Everybody's looking to be noticed, to be approved, to be uh, affirmed. Um, yeah. And we have to, as parents, make sure that we're we're giving them that because, like I said, they're doing it when we're not paying attention. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I was that way as a kid. I was always looking to see like my mom and my aunt took you know turns raising raising all of my mom's children but i'm always like looking like okay who's seen this who's seen this and uh i got a story about that uh, my mom really wasn't into like 
coming to our sporting games and stuff. And uh, my mom was locked up for like four years and uh, she got out. And that night I had football practice. So I'm like, mom, you got to come to practice. Like I got so much better. You know, I haven't seen her in a few years. And um, she came to practice and I felt so bad for all my teammates that day because I, I destroyed them all, like trying to impress my mom, you know. But I, and now when my kids do things and they're looking for my approval, I'm, that's what that is, you know, like that's the like, oh, look at me, dad, look at me. So that's yeah. good that you know that. Yeah, because little kids are trying to find out who they are in the world and, and we we are teaching them that. And if they're doing something that gives them joy and we're not paying attention. Well, maybe it's not that important. No, dad doesn't care. He ain't watching or, you know, so I worked so hard to do, to show him this, but it, it, no, it's not worth it. So let me go to something else. Right. And, and it, it starts to chip away at their, at their self-esteem. Right. And I think, so, you know, that, go for it. Uh, also for you. So how are you, how are you with, the electronics while you're supposed to be engaged because what you said about the the phones and the other parents i noticed that a lot i noticed that like um for instance we go to the trampoline park and i'm out there jumping with my son right i'm jumping with him at the trampoline park where everyone else is like hey just go play i'll be right here on my phone you know and i'm like no oh, man like you you want to be active like you yeah. want to be hands-on like with with your your children sometimes it's like hey go find your friends and play but sometimes it's like no we're playing today you know i'm gonna right what do you want to play because we're to play and whatever's on my phone can wait so what's you how do you view like the, the screen so, time the, the the yeah so i being completely honest i i struggle with that for a while because uh i had started to create like these kind of virtual businesses. Right. And so you got, you got check-ins and all these different things and you got to send, you know what I mean? With social media, you kind of got to be on top of it until you get to a certain point where I got to, and I just figure out like I could schedule stuff and I can plan stuff. Um, I'm much better at it now. Um, and, and the reason that is, is because I, I'm a little bit more intentional about my calendar and about my time. Um, you know, I set my schedule in a way that if I'm going to be at practice, I have nothing else on my schedule. If anybody emails me or calls me during that time, it's too bad. Like I'm off the clock. I'm off the clock for that that hour, two hours or whatever, so that I can be committed to to making sure I'm present in the moment. Um, and and scheduling that is is something that I felt like really helped me because, you know, if I'm going to be at practice, but I don't have it scheduled then yeah, that's easy to just pull up like, oh, they're, what are they warming up right now? You know, and then you get stuck in that rabbit hole of uh, you found something that was good. And now before you know it, they're halfway through practice and you haven't seen anything. Yeah. So I try to be really intentional about those times or really any time that I'm with my kids, um, unless we have scheduled, like we'll have a scheduled together time where we're all going to be on tablets. You know what I mean? Like my, my daughter's just got iPads for Christmas. And so we might have uh, after school, you come home, do your homework, uh, do your chore. You have to do something athletic and they can choose what that is. They like where they'll go in the back and they'll hit or, you know, they may do want to do one of, uh, one of their workouts. And then after that, we have 45 minutes of scheduled screen time. Okay. And so we can all be in the same room, but all of us get a chance to kind of scroll right, and do do that thing. Yeah. Um, and then. And then outside of that, it's just like, it'll, it'll come as it comes. But I think for young kids, especially the screen time can be, can be dangerous only because they don't have the, I don't want to say common sense, but they don't have the world experience that we have in navigating it. Right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, it's, it's, and it's hard for us to, to control it. It's, it's extremely hard for adults to not get addicted to social media and so, you know, my daughter's 10 and her friends all have phones and she doesn't. And yeah. they're doing TikTok dances. And she she's like, I don't know how to do them. I was like, yeah. I'm like, look, it, you can you can learn them when you're with them. But when you come home, there's, there's no TikTok. Like, that's just I you're understand. Not yeah, you're not missing out on anything. That's right. It's like I, it's so moment, but it'll go it'll be the old oh that's old that's corny and then it'll be the new thing and it kind of fries their their attention circulation right 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 okay. and so that's what I, that, 
That's what I say. That's what I uh, tell her. I try to remind her. And, that, you know, it's hard as a 10-year-old, right? Because you're in this, like, pre-tween kind of age where you're trying to, like, be cool and you're one of the cool kids. and But all the cool kids know dances. But I'm like, look, do you remember this whatever challenge? I was like, she's like, yeah. And she's like, I was like, does anybody do that now? <laughs> no, right? So like in a month, whatever this dance is, you're freaking out about right now that you have to do and record yourself doing. In a month, nobody's even going to care. Yeah. But but what will be important is, is, you know, if you are practicing, she plays piano. If you're practicing piano right now, that song you're working on next month, you're going to be like, you know, everything's going to be easy to you. Or you can still be struggling and doing a dance nobody else is doing. Like, it's your yeah. choice. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But again, that's that's because I'm older and I can make that decision for little kids. If we if we had just allow them to have all the same access that we have, we can't expect them to regulate it the same way that we do. Yeah, there's there's um, I'm not sure exactly what it is, so I'm not taking credit in any way, shape or form. Right. But like my children aren't that interested in their tablets, right? I think a big part of it is because there's nothing on their tablets. If you're playing a game, you have to be learning. It's a learning game, right? Yeah. So like there's, you can't just kind of free roam. Like there's only so many apps in there, so they're not that interested. So I think in their mind, it's like, I have this thing, but it's kind of boring. You know, like maybe I can get a, 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 a episode or two of Peppa Pig in, but that's it you know because on our phones we can we you can go down any rabbit hole that you want to you can <laughs> you can figure out what kind of shoes soldiers wore in world war one you know and watching one hour video you can go here go there go there go there but like because i like restricted the access to like what they can do on their tablet i think that they think it's boring yeah. so like, i but I didn't, I didn't do it intentionally. You know, I didn't, I'm not like, I'm not going to put anything on their tablet. Therefore they won't get interested in it. But I kind of noticed that like, like they'll play with it for a little bit and then they're like, oh, okay, this is boring. And, <laughs> and I, like I said, I'm not taking credit, but I think it just works out that way. Yeah. I think the other thing too is, is what is it? What are the options outside of, of the tablet? Right. Because I think when we were young, we used to go outside and play and it was like, you, you, Get out the house. Don't come back in because you go in, you're going to stay in. So we stayed out until the streetlights came on and then we had to come inside. Kids, like I live in a pretty safe neighborhood. Kids are not out. It's a, there's a school around the corner and kids still aren't outside playing. You know what I mean? Like they just, we roll around the neighborhood and there's nobody. There's no tackle football in the street. Nobody's playing basketball. Like none of that stuff is happening. And I'm always like, I want my girls to go play outside, but they're going to play outside by themselves. Like there's no, there's kids on our street that aren't even outside. Yeah. That's a really good observation where I live now here in um, Houston. I live with all the rich folks, right? Not a single soul. You can walk up and down this, this neighborhood. You're not going to see a kid outside. The yeah. only time you'll see a kid outside is when they get dropped off at the bus stop and go into their house. Right. Christmas Day, we're outside riding scooters, not a single soul. In the Las Vegas house, which is like middle class, right? Like where normal people live, all the kids are still outside playing, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I think it's crazy. Here, I don't see kids over there. I think where I live in Las Vegas, it's like a real tight community. So like all the neighbors know each other and they pull up their... Um, they're foldable chairs. They sit in the garage and the kids play in the street all day long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But out here, it's like, you do not see these kids, man, like at all. It's, it's kind of crazy because I think about like, yeah, like you were saying, if my daughter wants to go outside and play, there's nobody to play with. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just out there and then they come back inside and they're like, okay, now what? Yeah. And they know yeah. now not to ask me because it's like, all right, well, I'm a, I, we got a list of things we could do like here. Yeah, I mean, you got me paying for all yeah. this stuff that you want to do. Oh, we could practice all these things. And so they like, <laughs> <laughs> you softball. Yeah, you can look, we got softball, we got piano. They they're both in acting classes. You got a play that you need to rehearse for. You can clean this. You could like they were like, yo, don't ask dad anything. Like he all he gonna do <laughs> is make us work. 
that's funny. That's funny. That's cool. So you hear him trying to figure stuff out in the hallway, like, oh man, what are we going to do? Don't ask that. Don't ask that. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. All right. Um, so how how was how was Houston? I've never been to Houston. How's Houston? I've been to Dallas a couple times. I've never been to Houston. I hear they're they're not the same, but similar. Um, I can't compare it to Dallas because I haven't been there, but Houston is a really cool place to live. There's so much culture here. Okay. And uh they're so it's like well blended. You know, when you think of California, you think of like all the cultures that live in one like spot, like a melting pot, people say. I think Houston's even like more diverse. Um I think it was cool because coming up in California, you don't really see there. There wasn't in Southern California where I lived. There wasn't too many like everyday black people just doing things, right? So just like like the local clerk at the post office can be, you know, a black somebody that looks like you, but so can the owner of the plumbing company that services your house. You know, like and you just get yeah. to see like your own people in so many different roles. And I thought that was really cool coming out here. It's like people do everything. And then what I noticed is when people would come up to me and um, and like introduce themselves versus other areas, every single person had their own thing going on, right? It's not like, hey, what's up, Chris? I know you're from the internet. And, um, you know, like, can you put me on like that? It's like, yo, this is what I do. I got some Amazon trucks. I got like 16 of them. They do this, they do this. I meet another guy. Oh yeah, I got all these Airbnbs, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, everybody out here just got something going on. It's so cool, you know? So I think that that was very, like it stood out right away when I moved out here, how everybody has things going on or how you can see yourself in so many different people, um, so many different cultures out here. Uh, a lot of, lot of like um, people from the Middle East or it, it's just so many different cultures here, which means there's so much food to eat. So I'm out here, man. You're gonna eat. It's it's cool. It's a really cool place to live. I'm gonna give myself one more year here, and then I'm going back to California, though. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I love it. Yeah, that that's cool. That's what one of the things I liked about Atlanta. Like you talked about, you can go out and you see people who look like you doing a little bit of everything. Like you see professionals, and you see, like you said, the person that works at the post office. You see all these different people uh working in in every type of, of field like where i grew up yeah it was you know we we did like the the manual labor jobs and like you know drove the bus or you worked all these you didn't see too many brothers wearing suits and and you know what i mean and, and driving fancy cars that just wasn't and not definitely not in my neighborhood the dudes that was driving fancy cars were selling drugs so <laughs> so we didn't get to see that we're gonna see it all now yeah i, I love it i love it so coming back to California, man, everybody's leaving, right? Everybody's saying, get out of California, go to Texas. And now you're coming back. Yeah, I, I think that the people who are leaving, and I know most people are leaving for tax reasons, but I think you'll get to a point where you figured that part out, right? Like once you, like you leave because you want to preserve all your capital and then you'll set up systems in place where you're like, all right, I got my tax bill as low as it could possibly be i'm going back now you know because once you can solve that right like once you put all your 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 assets in your trust and now you're just the trust manager and you get paid a low six-figure job for managing your own assets and that that's owned by that trust i'm going right back to the beach you know y'all can tax i'm going to the beach so um now that's that was my thing is i wanted to figure out how could i live in california like without giving up 46% of my income and then I would go back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah that's smart. Be, I'll be back, man. And, uh, San Diego is probably where I'm going to end up. Okay. All right. San Diego is beautiful, man. I mean, there's, there's areas obviously, but I'm assuming you're not going to, <laughs> to, to the East side. You, you, you going to play it safe. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Um, so look, I got, I got a couple questions for you. Um, and, and you know, I've, I've enjoyed the conversation so far, but it's a fatherhood podcast. And, and obviously, uh, I got to ask you some questions about fatherhood. So you got, you got the three kids and, uh, you know, you've been doing the fatherhood thing for a while now, but, but, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? Um, it means that 
I'm a part of something that's bigger than myself, right? So it means to be a leader to people who look up to me uh, and to show up when I don't feel like myself, when I don't feel 100%, I still have to lead. It's it's a duty uh, that I take a lot of pride in and that uh, it, it's a special role that only I can fill. So... To me, I'm, I'm a leader of these three special, unique individuals, and I need to give them my all and to prepare them for life without me. There it is. There it is. That's that's probably the the, the clearest, straightforward answer. Usually it's like a, it's like several, several things. Right. And then they're trying to tie them all together. You had that thing laid out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. OK. All right. So. um let's say let's say you're uh because you're not really doing courses or anything anymore not like not like you were before right but let's say you're you're putting out some content uh let's say it's going to the close friends right close friends and family group and and, or 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 the well squad but the well squad has been has been kind of whittled down um and it's just fathers in there man like we you you got a channel and it's just for the fathers uh what is the message that you want them to hear um Give your all to the things that you love and your children and your family will reciprocate that, right? The same way that you love your family, the same way you love your children, find a hobby, find a craft that you could fall in love with as well, right? And that makes the whole journey that much easier, right? And then you stop feeling like you're sacrificing this or that or that and being away from your family when you can just blend them all together. You know, some people say, uh, like, don't do business with family. And I'm like, that's all business is, is family, you know? So you fall in love with, with your craft, you fall in love with your purpose and it makes it that much easier to show up for your family because you realize you do these things to take care of your family. So it makes the, the grind that much more easy. Uh, or I should say that much more endurable. And then another thing is explain to your family what you have going on, right? Explain to your woman what you have going on. Explain to your children what you have going on because they'll start to understand why you get frustrated with things, why you're tired, why you're this. You know, it's sometimes as fathers, we try to put on this Superman cape and we just want to storm duke through everything and sometimes you can sit your children down and say, man, that is tired today. Guess what I had to do? You know, so she'll grow. Your, your children will grow an understanding of, okay, this is what my dad does to provide for us. This is why he works so much. This is why he does that. So I would say bring everything together, right? Like bring your love for your craft, your love for your family, and bring them together. And your family will appreciate it. And they will have a better understanding of what you're going through. They'll understand your highs and your lows and your stresses because they know you're putting it all on the line for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that helps them connect the dots too. When you, when you do have to do stuff or you've got business things or work things that you got to take care of. Like for me, my, my stepdad, he worked like my man worked overtime. I don't remember a time in my life where he didn't work overtime. And I never, until I, until I became adult, I didn't put the the two and two together. Like he was out working like that because we needed the money. Like my mom had got hurt on the job and wasn't able to work anymore. And so he had to shoulder the load. Right. And he had to take care of our household and all the things we had. He had two kids, other kids that he had to take care of. And until I became an adult, all I knew was like, he was just never there. You know what I mean? Like I, I just associated it with like, yo, he didn't want to be around. Like he didn't want to be home. <laughs> like he was going to work to take care of us. And I was like, he don't want to be home. Like he don't want to, he never came to none of my games like yeah. ever. And-, and I was like, you know, and I resented him for it, but I it was because I never understood. Nobody ever sat me down. I was like, yo, this is what's, what's got to happen. Uh, yeah. You know, I've got to be gone, but you know, I, I definitely want to be there or, you know, he, you know, come home the next day and like, how was the game? What happened? How'd you do? You like have those conversations. But I think the communication part of it is really key. Yeah, very, 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 very key. I think because I'm sure the same way you felt that frustration from him, he probably felt underappreciated. You know what I mean? Like, look what I'm doing to keep this household afloat. And 
maybe not saying that you didn't appreciate or anything, but if you didn't understand, then if you did understand at that age, you'd be like, God, I know you didn't make the game, but let me tell you what happened. You know, yeah. like you would have a different level of appreciation. And I think that's why explaining to your family what the heck is going on, like matters, you know, like your children should know how you make money or why you work. And why are you on your phone right now? when? You know, maybe I'm supposed to be doing something or, you know, why? Hey, hey, I'm going to walk in the other room and take a call. Come back. This is why I took the call. I'm trying to make this happen. And I think that your family will appreciate you for that. Yeah, I think so, for sure. I think so, for sure. I think there's a there's a, a veil that we put up uh, between. And I think it's because we try to keep like business and family separate. Like you said, like you don't want to mix the two. And we, we put up this wall when it comes to business and work and we don't explain ourselves. Right. We don't we don't talk. Um, and then we expect everybody to understand. Yeah. Right. Like I, I talked to a lot of guys uh, about fatherhood and like their relationship with their dad. And, and I'm like, you know, did your dad ever sit you down and talk to you about fatherhood before you became a father? Or like, did he ever explain to you what fatherhood was? And most guys are like, no, because we don't talk about emotions like that. He showed me. Yeah. Well, that's cool. But showing you is left up to interpretation, right? It yeah. may have been misinterpreted. Like I misinterpreted it. Like I just, I was a kid. I didn't know any better. Um, yeah. But now as an adult, I can look back and be like, Hey man, like, I really appreciate what you did. You stepped up yeah. and, and you took care of us, uh, you know, and this is how I felt, but I feel differently now. Yeah. That's man. I, you know, it's something I, um, I tell my children, I express to them, like, I, I don't want to give off this uh, role that I'm like this big, strong superman that is bothered by nothing and i like let them know like hey what you did like hurt my feelings hey like why like why did you what like why are you upset with me you know like i kind of like let it be an open conversation about how i mm -hmm. feel too so i try to explain to my children like you're not the only ones with feelings right you feel this way because you can't do this i feel this way because you're acting like this so I don't like, you know, I kind of want it to be like a flowing conversation, open door versus earlier, like how you were saying, like how we grew up was just like, you know, stay in a child's place. And I like want to make it more conversational, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Keeping with that thought now, right? You're conversating with your kids. Again, you you uh, you create a separate channel. Um, it's not as big as the previous one, right? It's it's just three people in that channel and, and it may expand, right? Maybe Maybe 10 people at some point. Uh, and that channel is for your, for your children. What, what, uh, what message do you want them to hear? Um, I want them to know that it's important to do the right thing, right? It's important for them to grow up and do the right thing. Um, and to, to stand true to who you are. That's, you know, you spend your life figuring out who you are and then you spend the other half of your life either going away from that or embracing it. And something I want, you know, my children always keep in mind and in their heart is to stay true to who you are. I love that, man. I love that, that, that especially that finding, finding out who it is. And then you have a, a choice. You have a fork in the road. You either pursue it or you, you run away from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. You, That's important for you know, everybody, too. <laughs> yeah, right. You know how earlier you were saying about like bringing the family in and not letting like your ego or not gatekeeping is because I'm staying true to who I am. You know, I'm the yeah. hey, I'm going to give this opportunity. It makes my guy look good, it makes my brother some more money. It does this. It does that. You know, I'm just staying true to who I am. I love that, man. All right. So. I know you got a ton of things going on, but uh, but if people are listening to the podcast and, and wanted to uh, to follow you, to find you, to to maybe reach out to you, uh, what what's the best way to do that? Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's Chris with four S's. C A R I S S. It's about a hundred other uh, potential Chris Johnson, so you gotta be careful. There's a million different Chris Johnson accounts, right? Chris with four S's and then Johnson. And uh, everything that I do, all the, the trades and investments and my ideas about different things when it comes to finances can all be found in the Wealth Squad. And you'll find the Wealth Squad pages associated with my account. So just come find me on Instagram, Chris with four S's and Johnson. There you go. There's Wealth Squad hat. I see it. 
<laughs> All right, man. Look, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know, I know you're busy, and as a busy dad myself, I know how that can be. I appreciate it, and I'm sure that the guys listening are going to be able to take something from this and grow, grow through it, whether it be the discipline piece or including your family or even the messages that you have to your children and to other fathers. I think you left us with some things to think about and some things to grow on. So I really appreciate it, man. All right. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for making the time, brother. All right, Rob. Thank you. All right. You just tuned into another episode of the Forfeit Fatherhood podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you once again for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and follow me at You Can Call Me Coach on Instagram. Also, follow the podcast at Forfeit Fatherhood, the number four and the letter U on You Can Call Me Coach. Uh, go ahead and flip over to the next episode, man. I know you love this one, so you'll probably love the next one. Excited for you guys to hear it. <laughs>